Hallelujah. Well, I was in Noosa this morning ministering up at Wave Church, one of the churches in our Glory City network. And um, it was such a wonderful time. Hallelujah. And as I was up there, um, the Holy Spirit was healing. A lot of people did some wonderful things. People got saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit, wonderful miracles. Hallelujah. But a a couple came up to me at the end and they said um, the Holy Spirit had touched them. Their younger daughter had been saved that day, given her heart to Christ. And they came and they wanted to tell me a story. They'd driven down from Gympie. And they said, three years ago, our other daughter and her husband gave birth to a premature baby, 24 weeks premature. And they were staying in Ronald McDonald House because there was a lot of complications, a lot of problems with the baby. And um, it didn't look good. And they said, some people from Glory City Church found them in the lift and they, they prophesied, your baby's going to be fine. And they gave them $60. And, and this girl, unbeknownst to them, had said, God, if you're real, give me a sign. And they, want, they came to tell me today, and I believe Michelle Boyd, where are you? Michelle, I saw you here before. Michelle, you were one of those ones, weren't you? Yeah. Well, she's three years old now and absolutely perfect. Hallelujah. No problem. And uh, her family has been so changed and impacted by that. And that's why I love it. I get so excited. Uh, <laughs> Gary Morgan was prophesying in a coffee shop in Indrapilly a few weeks ago. And, and the, the, the guy behind the counter says, are you from Glory City Church? Because he figured if, if you're doing that, you're probably one of those. We have quite a few of them come in. Hallelujah. But it's so beautiful to see the love of God being poured out. And, you know, I believe that, you know, unless we are outward focused, revival is not church centric. Unless we are looking out, unless we are going out and bringing the harvest in to to celebrate together the family of God, but delivering the message, taking the glory and and. Everyone everywhere, the Spirit of God being poured out upon them and then taking what's being poured out and sharing it and giving it with people is what will continue to spark revival. Hallelujah. Amen. So every one of us, the Holy Spirit is waking us up. He's, he's doing divine shifts and divine fine-tuning, I believe, deliberately to get us ready for what he's going to do. Let's pray. Papa, we say thank you. Jesus, what a privilege it is to be alive today. What a delight it is and what a joy, Lord, to be called your children. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, that you would pour out your spirit on all flesh, just as you promised. And we say thank you. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to wake up to the truth of what you have done and who you are, that we may know supernaturally by your spirit, that we might know you in ever-increasing ways, that we would have the eyes of our understanding enlightened in the knowledge of you, that we might know the hope of our calling. Lord, wake us up by your spirit, we ask. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.
Are you happy? Yeah. I'm so happy! <laughs> You're also on TV. <laughs> the heart of God is that you would rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. That the heart of God is that you would live in a place of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. Yeah? The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Turn to your neighbor and say righteousness, peace, and joy. (laughs) Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We worship you. We give you honor. We give you praise. Come, Lord. (laughs) Come, Holy Spirit. Do you love the Word of God? You know, the Word of God has power to change you. It has life. It is the anchor. You know, the Word is God. And we get to fellowship with God when we fellowship with the Word of God. You know, I encourage people to read whole books of the Bible, not just the bits you like, but actually take it and feast on it and study it and enjoy it and and take it in and to to pray it. You know, I've done um, apostolic prayers where I pray into the scriptures deliberately. So because I believe that whatever we ask according to his will, we can have. And as we pray into the word of God, hallelujah, we can have faith that God will do what we're, what we're asking. And as we read the word of God, it's like a holy chiropractor that can adjust us and help us. Hallelujah. So my, my desire is to see a people who love the word of God, who, who are students of the word, not with knowledge that puffs up, but with a, a humility that says, this is my opportunity to find out how a, how a Christian lives, what Christ-like character looks like. You know, I want to share with you a scripture we began to look at the other night from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. says this, finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tender hearted and keep a humble attitude. I like it there in the, um, in the new living translation, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tender hearted and keep a humble attitude. Now, what does humility look like? I used to pray, oh God, humble me, humble me, humble me, because I was so afraid of being proud, because I know he, he gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. I didn't want to be opposed. So Holy Spirit, help me, humble me, humble me. And I'd be a teenager on the altar praying this. And one day a counselor said to me, sweetheart, don't think you should pray that. I think you should ask the Lord to help you have a, uh, an attitude of humility. I went, oh, okay, okay, Lord, give me an attitude of humility. Help me, Holy Spirit. And I was so worried about being proud that I I was more motivated by fear than anything else. So the heart of God, though, is for us to recognize that we don't have to strive and be fearful, though it is a a good thing to walk with a reverential or in fear of God. But to recognize Jesus, 
I thank you for for the grace to walk with the humility of Christ. Lord, that we would have a humble attitude to one another. C.S. Lewis says, true humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And, you know, I, I think that's a real key. When it comes to manifesting Christ, people don't want to come up against know-it-alls that just want to tell you what they know, that are full of themselves, and they're not thinking even about the person as much as they're thinking about what they know and what they want to communicate. God is looking for people who have a humble attitude toward one another, who look at people with respect, who'll see people with, with eyes of love, that they'll recognize that every person is made in the image of God, that he's the apple of his eye. That when we would speak with people, we, we, we learn to love them, we learn to walk in humility and respect. I've seen so many times when... The Lord has uh, given a prophetic word over someone who hasn't yet been saved. And God has spoken into their value and, and into uh, you know, his desire for their life. When they have actually experienced love and they have felt respected by me and or as delivering the word, they've opened their hearts up and then received Christ. But you see, if you come with a judgmental attitude that says, you've got something wrong and I'm going to fix it, You're going to reap what you sow. With the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. If you are are coming in with a judgmental attitude, you're going to meet a reaction, a defense that wants to defend themselves from your judgmental attitude and you, you never get to the heart of love. But instead, if we approach people with humility, looking with God's perspective, recognizing that they are special to him, that he loves them, You know, it means so much when you reach out to one of those that don't yet know Jesus. I I know as a mother myself, if someone does something for my children, I take it personally. I really take it personally. And every time you care about someone else more than you care about how comfortable you're feeling, every time you care about somebody in the name of Jesus, he takes it personally. The father takes it personally. He says, as much as you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. Hallelujah. But humility is, you know, I believe is consistently walking in submission to the character of Christ. As I was thinking about this, what does it really look like? It's actually daily taking captive every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. It's daily coming before him and saying, Lord, today I reckon myself dead and alive to Christ. I choose to submit to you. I thank you, Spirit of God. Through the knowledge of you, I have everything pertaining to life and godliness. So help me, Lord. Teach me your ways. Show me your paths. Guide me in the way everlasting that I might manifest the character of Christ as I walk in submission to you. Hallelujah. It's the opposite to, uh, you know, what is culturally acceptable. You know, in Australian culture, we love the song, What about me? It isn't fair. I don't have enough that I want my share. Can't you see? We love that song. It's a great song, but you know what? It's the opposite to kingdom culture. It's the opposite to Christ-like nature. We want to say, what about me? But the moment that you do that is the moment that you step outside of grace and into your ways. 
His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are better than our ways. And if we choose his way, we will be blessed. Hallelujah. It's saying, no, I'm going to think more about other people. I'm going to care more about other people. When someone gives you a compliment, instead of thinking about, you know, thinking about yourself and and reacting in a way that's like, well, yes, I know. Thank you. Um, if instead you, you think about them and recognize, wow, they've gone out of their way to bring a compliment. Thank you. That's very kind of you. And then at the end of the night, like Catherine Coleman used to do, gather up all the compliments and bring them like a bunch of roses to the Lord and offer it up to him. Hallelujah. That's humility. It's not humility to say, well, you know, um, when someone gives you a compliment to try and correct them and say, well, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not really, I'm, you know, that wasn't very good and... That's actually fishing for more compliments, I think. Or it's rebutting the person and making them feel like they were silly to compliment you in the first place. But if instead you're thinking about the other person and you want to honor them, you want to walk in respect, in every interaction that we have with each other, God is looking for us to adopt an attitude of humility that's thinking more about the other person than you are about yourself. Amen? The scripture goes on in verse 9 and it says, Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That's what God has called you to do and he will bless you for it. This is a really challenging scripture because it's natural human reaction when somebody does something to react and retaliate. Now, we can deceive ourselves and actually feel like we are being Christians and behaving well, but still do the opposite of this in our interactions with people. If someone rejects you, a natural reaction is to reject them and to put a wall up. And even if you're if you're trying to be Christian about it, and you're just like, well, you know, I'm just... You know, we don't need to invite them. It's all right. I haven't got anything against them. Whatever it is, if there is a retaliation for something that's done, you are actually beginning to partner with a carnal mindset. When the Bible says that the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. But the moment you start partnering with carnal thinking, with the ways of the world, you actually are partnering with pain. Because then every time that person's name comes up, you go, yes, I remember my wall. And yes, I remember the reason I have that wall. And oh, I remember the pain that they caused me. But if instead we are offering forgiveness, we choose not to judge them. We don't try and figure out the motives of their heart. But we release them, we forgive them. And we we ask the Holy Spirit for help. We sow the pain in exchange. Then we can walk in peace. I, I like to sow pain. I do it very deliberately. If something happens, someone does something nasty, you know, the Bible tells me in Isaiah 61 that for my former shame, pain, and disgrace, he'll give me double recompense. So if it has any form of pain involved, shame or disgrace, I'll take it, I'll base it on that scripture and I'll go, thank you, Father. This is divine currency that I can exchange. I'm going to give you this pain And I thank you for the exchange rate of heaven, which is double recompense. This is dishonoring. So, Father, rather than trying to prove myself or react or dishonor in in retaliation, 
I choose to sow it. And thank you for the double honor. Hallelujah. If you've been shamed, rather than defend yourself or put up a wall or, you know, talk to your friends about how nasty that person is, if instead you forgive them, you release the judgments and you choose instead to sow the shame and say, thank you, Father, as you release it, I release that to you. And it's such a privilege, Father, Lord, to, to walk in, in your ways and to suffer even just a little bit of what you suffered. And I thank you for double recompense, Holy Spirit, for it. He does over and over and over again. I've seen him do it. It says here, that's what God's called you to do. Instead of retaliating with insults when people insult you, retaliating in any way, if instead you pay them back with a blessing, that's what God's called you to do, he will bless you for it. That's a promise. You know, I've, I've struggled with this sometimes thinking, you know, if I just let them go and I pray blessing on them, who's going to stop them doing it again? Like, God, really, I don't really want them blessed because, you know, I want them to actually feel like they're not being blessed. So they figure out they're doing something wrong. And, you know, maybe it would be better bless them with conviction, God. You know, bless them with like really serious conviction and, and so that they turn to you and repent and maybe apologize to me. That's more the natural reaction that, you know, dressed up in Christianese. But it's still not the heart of what God's saying. There is a true grace to release a forgiveness that actually comes with peace. Like I said the other day, uh, like that a pastor, Pastor Paul, shared one day from Baltimore. He said when he was in heaven, he died and went to heaven for six hours. And while he was there, the Lord said to him, Paul, what is forgiveness? And he answered with his best theological answer. And he asked him again, Paul, what is forgiveness? And again, he gave an answer that he thought was right. And the Lord asked him again, he said, what is forgiveness? And Paul said, oh, well, you tell me. And the Lord said, forgiveness is being able to live with the consequences of someone else's sin without feeling pain. And you know, that is a, that is a reality. That's a possibility. There's a supernatural peace that comes when you engage with the character of Christ. If instead you embrace the attitude of humility, that's not, what about me? But instead, what about you, God? Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your love for this person. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you set me free, that I can trust you, that as I bless them, you will bless me, that you'll take care of me. I have nothing to fear. As I lay down my life before you, I thank you, Lord, that you give me grace to love them and forgive them just as you forgave those that were crucifying you. Hallelujah. There is a grace to be able to release people from sin, release people from judgment, and to forgive as Christ forgives. Amen? Amen. He will bless you for it. You know, can he really be trusted? I thought, you know, I think sometimes we forget this truth. Oh, God, if I just forgive them, maybe if I could just act a little bit offended around them, then they might figure out they've done something wrong. 
and they might change their way. Has anyone ever thought that way? Well, you know, if I just pretend like nothing's happened, if I just go on and I completely forgive them, if I, if, if I forgot about that, how are they ever going to change? You know what? That's unbelief. That's you not trusting that God is well able. When it comes to interacting with other people, our, our, our job is to love, is to forgive, is to bless, and is to trust God that he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Do you believe it? The heart of the Father is to release a faith into your heart that says, yes, Lord, I believe. I'll trust you that as I give you this, as I release this, you will take care of it. Hallelujah. That you know and you understand our, our sense of justice is not better than God's. God loves justice. His form of justice was to send Jesus to be punished in your place. You don't need to instruct God on what sort of justice needs to be doled out to whoever's hurt you. You can trust him. He knows how to work it out so gloriously. Hallelujah. And he is faithful. Proverbs chapter 16, actually Proverbs 14 verse 12 says this. There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. You know, our ways of dealing with people can seem like it's right. Well, you know, if, if I give them the impression that they've done something wrong, it, it seems right to me that they might then sort of say, come and say, what's the matter? And then you get the opportunity to tell them what the matter is and then hopefully they will repent. But if instead you go, all right, there's a way that seems right to me, but it doesn't line up with the word of God. So I choose to have your ways. When that person comes in, instead of judging them for what they've done, I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to forgive as the Lord forgave. By the grace of God, that's forgiving and forgetting and trusting that God knows how to work in their character and their life. God knows what to do and I can trust him. And the reality is you cannot have any influence with somebody that you are judging. Unless you love them, you're not going to have influence with them anyway. Jesus' desire is to help them, is to touch them, that they might experience eternal life, that whatever might be going on in their world, that he could come and be their healer, that he could come and bring life and manifest his goodness. But if you are judging them and trying to make them pay for what they've done, somehow by your reaction, your retaliation, you are putting up a hindrance and a wall for Christ in you to be able to minister to them. I'm preaching better than you're reacting. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 20 says this, Whoever gives heed to instruction prospers, and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. God is trustworthy. He is trustworthy. When you come to him and say, Lord, I believe what your word says. 
You say as I bless those who curse me. You say as I forgive and I bless and not retaliate. As I don't uh, return insult for insult, evil for evil. But as I love, as I pray for those who persecute me. As I, as I release and forgive as the Lord forgave. I trust you, God, that you are well able not only to work all things together for my good, but that you are well able to work in their lives. And they're not my responsibility. My responsibility is to love you and to love them. Hallelujah. I'm not called to be their judge. It says in Matthew chapter 7 verse 1, judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but don't consider the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You cannot help somebody when you are uh, trying to fix them. Because if you're trying to fix them, you've already judged that they need your fixing. You've already judged them. The heart of God is that you would love them. And that out of that awareness, as the love of God touches their heart, they would trust you. That you would then be able to have influence with them. That you'd then be able to help them. You can't help anybody you don't love. Amen? You know, I believe the heart of God is to help us walk in the reality of what love looks like. That we could demonstrate it through our daily lives. That instead of coming at people with a, with a sense of judgment... Where that makes them want to defend themselves. What we sow is what we reap. As we judge them, they judge us. So as we, we feel defensive, they feel defensive. But instead, if we could drop all the walls and move in the opposite spirit, we would see God's love manifest and prosper. Love never fails. Hallelujah. If someone comes and they're mean... Come, someone comes and they do, they do something nasty. Instead of manifesting a wall, you manifest Christ. If instead of retaliating by not talking to them anymore or by talking to your friends about them or trying to, you know, fix them. If instead you just humble yourself and you say, Holy Spirit, help. I lean on you. Thank you for your help. Help me. Help me to see anything in me that I could repent of, anything that I could apologize for. Help me to be a peacemaker. Help me to pursue peace. Hebrews 12, 14 says this. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by this many become defiled. You know, the author of Hebrews is saying this because there is a there is a risk that this can happen to you. He's writing to them to say, be careful of this. Pursue peace with all people as far as possible, as as is possible on your part. Do what you can to live at peace with each other. Pursue peace. 
and pursue peace and pursue holiness, which is the character of God, which is not a, a legalistic list of rules, but is actually looking at the word of God and saying, thank you, Lord, you've given me grace now, Lord, to manifest the character of Christ. Pursue peace with all people and holiness. Is there anybody in your world that you are not at peace with? The heart of God is that you would pursue peace with them. Now, there's some people that you can't win over. But as far as possible on your part, pursue peace. Lay down the judgments because the judgments will only cause you to reap judgment. But if instead... You search your heart and you you say, thank you, Father, for grace to forgive, grace to release them. Hallelujah. Then I believe the grace of God brings down walls. The love of God conquers hard hearts. Hallelujah. You can read Proverbs. There's so much wisdom about how to conduct yourself, how to work out relationships. Romans 12 Verse 17 says, don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You know what? God wants your world to be a whole lot more peaceful than it is. He wants you to have peace in your heart, peace in your mind. He wants you to lie down and sleep with the rest of that comes from him. He wants to release a peace that, that says, I'm going to take care of you. You can trust me. Release it to me. Bring me all your anxious thoughts. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. That is, with a joy and a faith that says, Hooray, God, I can trust you with this. I can trust you with this. I release it to you. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Lord. I can just come rest in you now. Thank you, Father. I have nothing to fear. I don't have to figure this out. I don't have to work it out. Lord, I can trust you. Thank you for grace to release forgiveness. Hallelujah. God wants you to walk in supernatural peace, righteousness, peace, and joy. When the world meets you, when people meet you, do they meet and encounter the Prince of Peace? If not, the Holy Spirit wants to help you. He wants to help you manifest the Prince of Peace every day in your everyday world. There, it's, it's not only possible, it's your divine inheritance. But it requires us actually submitting ourselves to, to Christ. Submitting ourselves willingly daily to the Word of God to say, Lord, teach me, instruct me. It's quite exciting actually. Wake up in the morning and, and, and get excited about reading the Word of God so you can find out what you look like. The book of James says, if anyone's a hearer of the Word and not a doer, it's because he's looked in the mirror and then walked away and forgot what he looked like. He's like a man that, that had a look and then walked away and forgot. He's saying that if you're, if you're not manifesting and doing all the, the, the things that you read about Jesus, if you aren't raising the dead and healing the sick, if you're not manifesting the, the nature of Christ that is absolutely loving, completely peaceful, totally forgiving, if that's not happening in your life, he doesn't say you should be ashamed of yourself. He doesn't say, you bad Christian. 
He says, you've forgotten what you look like. And as we read the Bible, we remember, thank you, Lord, that this is what my new life in Christ looks like. I willingly choose today to say, yes, Lord, I submit myself to you and your character. I declare it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Teach me your ways. I thank you that the Holy Spirit is with me. The helper is with me to show me, to remind me of and and point to Jesus that I might know him, that I might experience him. Hallelujah. That I might have the eyes of my understanding enlightened in the knowledge of him so that I truly can know the hope of my calling. The riches of his glorious inheritance in us, the saints, and the greatness of the power toward us who believe. It happens not with your eyes on yourself, but it happens when you set your eyes on him. He is the glory and the lifter of your head. The mind set on him, the mind controlled by the spirit, is life and peace. Will you fix your eyes on him today? The Holy Spirit wants to help you. He wants you to recognize that there is a supernatural peace for you. A grace, not to be conformed to the pattern of the world, but to have our minds transformed by the, and renewed by the, the washing of the word that reminds us, Whoa, thank you, God. You are the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by you. Your ways. I thank you for Jesus, the way, being manifested in me. I ask you, Lord, to manifest Christ to me. Spirit of God, reveal Christ to me so I might really know personally the way. I want to know the way. For your ways are wonderful and all your ways are just. I choose to trust you. I choose to walk with you for you are the hope of the nations and you are my way. There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. I don't want death in my relationships. I don't want death in my world. I want the life of God. Jesus, who is the life. I choose life today. That is, I choose the way of the Father. I choose the the life of Jesus to be my way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, we ask, Spirit of God, Come, speak to us, Daddy. Help us. (laughs) I release, Lord, a fresh impartation for the manifestation of Christ, Lord. I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would stir up a divine hunger for your word, that you would supernaturally speak people through the word of God, that they might be transformed continually, choosing to submit themselves to the character of Christ, that your name would be lifted up, that this world would see the the beauty, the glory of Jesus in us. Father, I thank you that the earth is groaning and waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Lord, breathe on us. Lord, awaken us to the truth of who Christ is, that we might follow him. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, today, if you're here and you know in your heart that you are not walking with God, you know, there's a lot of people who believe that God exists. They even acknowledge that, that, you know, Christianity is a good thing. But the Bible says that unless you lose your life, you won't find it. 
God requires us as people made in his image to exercise the, the, the choice that says, Lord, I want to love you back. Salvation is about divine exchange. We exchange our lives and receive his life in exchange. We exchange our sin and we receive clean garments, the righteousness of Christ. We exchange our crooked nature and we receive the nature, the divine nature of Christ indwelling us. It's called being born again. Where we're no longer born of, the, of, of Adam, the first Adam, but we're born of the last Adam, Jesus. And out of his side, where, when he was pierced, when he died, he made a way for us to be born of him. No longer defined by our, our crooked nature, our past, but we defined by him. Made clean and righteous so we could have fellowship with him. There is no fellowship between light and darkness. So we need a savior. We needed Jesus to come and make a way for us to be supernaturally made new. To become the righteousness of God in Christ. And by his incredible mercy, it's by grace we're saved through faith. We put faith in the grace of God. We can't earn it, but we've got to humble ourselves and receive what we could have no part in earning. But it requires a choice. You must respond to the mercy of God and say, Lord, I want to exchange my sin for your righteousness. I want to exchange my life to receive your life. I want to be made new on the inside. I want to be in fellowship with you. Come into my life. Fill me with your spirit. I I repent of my sin and I receive the grace to be different. Hallelujah. Today, if you're here and you know in your heart you are not walking with God, I want to pray with you. If you're here and you know, I want to get my life right with God. I don't want to be on the edge. I want to surrender my life and I want to be made new. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you today. Is there anybody here that says, yes, I see your hand. That's beautiful. Anybody else that says, yes, that's me. I see your hand. It's precious. You can put it down. Anybody else that says, yes, that's me. I want to pray for you. Just wave your hand at me. I want to pray because this is your opportunity today for everything to be different. Hallelujah. Is anybody else that says, yes, that's me. Hallelujah. We want to pray for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Well, if you raised your hands right now, I want to quickly ask you to come. That We can just pray for you. If you would come, would you, would you come? We want to pray for you. Give them a hand as they come. Would you come? Would you come? Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father who's in heaven. It's precious and it's powerful. Well done. Hallelujah. It's awesome. Come on over here. Hey, praise God. So good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Does anybody else want to join them? You know, it's, it's one thing to believe that God exists, but it's another thing to say, Lord, I want to surrender my life to you and I want to come into fellowship with you. Is there anybody else that says, yes, that's me. I want to get my life right with God. I want today to be the day I step over the line and say, I'm, I'm no longer going to live for myself. I'm going to exchange my life to receive the life of Christ. Anybody else that says, yes, that's me. I want to pray for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. All across this room and those watching, let's pray. You could pray this after me. Father God, I believe you sent your son Jesus to be crucified in my place. I believe you took my punishment. I believe Jesus is the son of God. Right now, Lord, I bring you my life. I bring you my sin. And I exchange it in faith for your life, for your forgiveness, for your mercy. Come into my life. Fill me with your spirit. Make me new on the inside. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.